Hi, this is Tracy S. Morris, and I am not making this up. This is the second of a two-part episode. I'm with author Melanie Miller-Fletcher. Miller Miller I'm going to get that right that's at some point. Just Melanie Fletcher, that's fine. Melanie Fletcher. And she writes speculative fiction. She also writes erotica and romance under Nicola Cameron. And Melanie, thanks for joining us again. Always a pleasure to be here. Can you tell the folks a little bit about where they can find your work? Um, you can find my work at MelanieFletcher.com. Uh, if you like romantic, well, basically romantic stories with science fiction, fantasy, or paranormal themes in them, you can go to NicolaCameron.com. And I'm, I'm all over the internet. Just look for me. <laughs> you can find me if you try. And I wanted to talk a little bit about Edgar Allan Poe. He's one of my favorite horror genre writers. And um, I think specifically I wanted to talk a little bit about how he kind of died under mysterious circumstances. So oh, yeah. Before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about Edgar Allan Poe and his life? Because you've written some... Edgar Allan Poe-based work. Yes, I actually have a history, it's an alternate history mystery called A Most Malicious Murder, and it's it needs editing, and then I will be self-pubbing it. It's a matter of finding the time to self-pub, to self-edit. But um, it stars Edgar Allan Poe, who did not die in 1849, and while on a lecture tour in England, he is framed for murder, and he has to solve the murder with the help of a young undergraduate from Oxford named Charles Dodgson, who most people will probably recognize better as Lewis Carroll. So it's yeah, it's Poe and Carroll trying to solve a murder. A po Yay. Yeah. The Poe and Carroll, Edgar Allan Poe, Lewis Carroll, buddy cop book. Exactly, exactly. And you've got Poe who is, he's on the wagon, but you know he's tempted and he's very flirtatious and he's kind of a little foul mouthed. And then you have Lewis Carroll. Who's very straight-laced. Yes, very much so. So, I mean, that's it's been a lot of fun working on that. That sounds delightful. I can't wait to see it. Thank but, you. So, tell me a little bit about Poe leading up to the point of his disappearance. Well, Poe was the son of an actress um, and a gentleman from Virginia. And uh, his, his father abandoned the family when they were young. He had a brother and sister. Uh, he had kind of a problematic childhood. He was not adopted by John Allen, but he was taken in as a foster son. And there is some discussion about whether or not John Allen was deliberately cruel to him or if Edgar was kind of blowing things out of proportion. But the problems really started when Edgar got sent off to college and John Allen wouldn't pay for his books. So it's kind of like, well, yes, go off and you know get your schooling. I'm not going to pay for any of it. Good luck. Which in those days, there were no scholarships. So that was kind of problematic. And that kind of colored the rest of his life. You've got this, this wonderful writer, this genius, who seemed to have a gift for shooting himself in the foot. But at the same time, he did have some genuinely horrible luck. So it's... He was born under a uh, just an unlucky star, and it's really a shame. It, it, if he could have just gotten more support or more help uh, to think of what he could have done, it's it, it's a little it's a little sobering. Okay, and he uh, at one point he was like engaged to a cousin. Was it? Oh yeah. Oh, he was actually engaged to a couple of women. Uh, when he was very young, he was madly in love with I believe a neighbor girl, and. 
the woman who would eventually become his wife used to run messages between them, so Sissy. Mm -hmm. And then he wound up getting engaged to Sissy when she was very young, I believe she was like 13, and marrying her. And scholars assume that basically it was, he was lonely. He wanted a family. His stepmother, who he adored, Fanny, had died of what consumption, what mm -hmm. we now know as tuberculosis. And he was desperate to reclaim some sort of family... Stability. Yes, yeah, st stability. So he went to Maria Clem, who I believe was his aunt, and her daughter, Virginia, Sissy. Mm -hmm. He wound up marrying her. So that was his little family that he took with him to New York and other places during the brief meteoric rise that followed the Raven. And then, the unfortunately, the crash that happened, which most people think happened because he had an affair with a well-known female poet. And that kind of got spread throughout you know, the writing societies, and New York and everyone else turned their back on him. So he was kind of struggling after that. And uh, right before he disappeared and then died, he was kind of on an upswing, wasn't yes, he? Yes, he was. He was engaged to another woman. Um, and th this was someone that he'd known from childhood. And she really would have been a very stabilizing force in his life. And he was on a trip to New if I remember correctly, on a trip to New York to go speak to a publisher. And then he was going to be traveling back to Richmond. Somewhere along the way, he disappeared. He disappeared for about three days. And then he was found um, on the streets of Baltimore and taken to a hospital where he died, you know, I think about a day later, never really regaining, well, I, he regained consciousness, but never really making any sense. So nobody knows what happened to him. No one knows if he was rolled. No one knows if, he, was he beaten up? Did someone go after him? It's a mystery. I saw a theory recently that he might have been sucked into a voter election fraud. Right. At that time, there were basically Scheme. bully teams going around the city, grabbing people and hauling them off to various voting areas in order to vote. He could have fallen foul of that. Yeah. But the weird thing is he wasn't found in his own clothes. He was found in these really kind of low-class garments that were, did not belong to him. So no one knows how, how he got into those. And the idea of him being Shanghai and forced to vote wouldn't explain why he's suddenly wearing common worker garb. Yeah. Hmm. So do you have a favorite theory? I... Knowing Edgar, it was probably something that we can't even imagine. It was just his extraordinary bad luck coming to haunt him once again. So something weird happened. Maybe he got rolled and someone stole his clothes and he found these these other things that he was able to put on and just staggers off, collapses in the gutter, and then he's found from there. So This is sounding like a very tragic version of Dude, Where's My Car? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess we should go back and just, what happened to Sissy? So, well, Sissy died uh, before that. She died of tuberculosis, mm -hmm. and that really kind of kicked off a very melancholic period in his life. It is hypothesized that he tried to commit suicide before... Is she the one that he based Annabelle Lee on? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that was his wife, the, the young one. And um, he wrote the story for her uh, before he wound up getting engaged to Sarah, Elma, Sarah Elmira. And I'm blanking on her last name. And she, he was engaged to her when he vanished. Yes. So that's why he was on the upswing. Yeah. Um, so... It's, it's just kind of an interesting 
puzzle. I mean, if I ever had a time machine, oh my God, I'd be back there in a flash just tracking down and figure out what the heck happened. And, and my personal interest in this got started because Jeffrey Combs, who a number of people will know from Star Trek, uh, Reanimator, a very well-known science fiction and horror um, actor, did a marvelous one-man play called Nevermore, where he imaginarily recreated a potential lecture of Poe's. And he gets progressively drunker throughout the lecture. And it, it's funny, it's moving, it's thrilling. He got to recite a ton of Poe's poetry. And I just, I, I fell in love with the play. And that's what actually inspired me to write A Most Malicious Murder. All right, and you've also written a, a Frankenstein story from the... Oh, yeah, Prometheus Bride. I still have to finish that. It's an epistolatory novel where it's written from the point of view of... Frankenstein, now not the creature, Victor Frankenstein, his fiance. And it's kind of a, a super feminist take on a feminist story already because huh. she's looking at things like her, her, her supposed fiance is wandering off and trying to create life and having this kind of questionable relationship with his best friend and she doesn't know what's going on. And uh, it's, it's going to be kind of an, I think, an interesting science fiction take on the story from her point of view. All right. So. All right. I think that's all the time we have. So thank you for taking the time to uh, sit down and talk to me. And uh, is there anything else you wanted to add? Um, come check me out. I'm, like I said, I'm at MelanieFletcher.com. If you like romance, I'm at NicolaCameron.com. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Google+. Plus. I'm all over the place. Come and join me. Stalk me. I welcome it. <laughs> And I'm at TracySMorris.com. You can find the podcast there. You can find it on iTunes, uh, pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts. Uh, thanks for listening.